to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim, and today we are going to discuss Perfect on Paper, which is by Sophie Gonzalez and was published in 2021 by Wednesday Books slash McMillimans, uh, which Wednesday Books is the subdivision of McMillimans. And just as a little piece of information, Sophie Gonzalez is an Australian writer who has been perfecting her craft since she was about five years old. And Perfect on Paper is her third book out of four books that she currently has available. Um, and the plot for Perfect on Paper is when you have a relationship question, you slip a note and money in Locker 89 for anonymous advice. Darcy has been secretly running the locker since her freshman year. But in her junior year, her identity is discovered by Australian classmate Brogum. Probably said that wrong. Brogum. He, may- he pronounces Brogum. it in the book. Yeah, it's been he about does. a week he since does. I read it. So <laughs> I couldn't remember how he pronounced it, okay? So Brogum, he makes a deal with her. If she becomes his personal dating coach to win back his ex-girlfriend, he won't tell a soul who runs the locker. Darcy is, ex- is forced to accept because she can't let her best friend and crush know that Darcy is behind the relationship sabotage sabotage locker 89 committed. So what did what are you doing, Sarah? I'm laying back. Okay. I just all I saw was a black streak. I couldn't see you at all. And I had clicked back into it and I wasn't expecting that. I was like, we've lost Sarah. Um, so Sarah, what did you think of this book? I liked it a lot. You liked it a lot. This was your pick. This was your pick for our Valentine's episode. Yep. This is the second time I read it. And I've also read Only Mostly Devastated, I think, which is by her as well. Um, but you haven't read like that other one, one that I had better. suggested no. to you. I have to get through all the books you lent me first before I can move on to the ones I want to read. So um, it's there on my desk taunting me. It's like a reward that I just can't unlock yet. Um, I'm excited for that one, though, because I do so far of the two books that I've read from her. I really like her writing style um, and I just really like this book in general. Okay. Yeah, you've got quite a few books to go before you get there. And I've been nice and haven't given you more books. I probably could have given you like another 50 books, um, but I've been resisting. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I know. (laughs) What about you, Kim? What did you think of the book? I really liked it. It was it was it was sweet. It was a nice palate cleanser after a couple of difficult books. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd already so, read it, so it wasn't like a surprise palate cleanser, but I still enjoyed being able to read it, especially after that last one. Yes. Yeah, no. It it was a nice just sit down and relax and let's let's read a book and get to a good story. And it's a pretty quick read. I think I read it in one, maybe two days. I'd have read it in a day except for my battery wore out. It was like 3.30 in the morning. I had 45 minutes left in the book and my battery went to like 3%. I kept getting warnings and I kept telling it, stop telling me I'm going to finish it. And then I finally had to go to bed and plug it in and get up in the morning and finish it off. So yeah, it was a a fast read. Yeah, I know. I saw that you finished on Goodreads on like Monday. I was like, y'all aren't going to remember anything about this book when we're doing a podcast. (laughs) It's kind of true. It's 
kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> and then I sat down and I ended up reading it in like mostly one sitting as well. I think I might've done only a little bit in the beginning, but then like I tried to read the whole thing the next time. And I, I got so little sleep Monday night. Because yeah. Tuesday was a good day at work. Oh, not at all. <laughs> That's a good sign. Like I, I personally always seek to find books that make me want to read them all in one sitting. Um, it is my favorite thing to do. No matter how painful it is. <laughs> no matter how painful it is, but like the consequences may not be great, but like, hey, that's a sign you know of a good book. Those consequences, that's future Amberly's problem. Exactly. Yeah. Future, problem. future Amberly is yeah. 10 minutes away. Yeah. Future, future Amberly future is planning, <laughs> planning the next book that she's doing that for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, yes, and, and well, I think the other thing is obviously I am a fast reader. So like when it was like only 300 pages, I was like, oh, this is maybe four hours at most. So yeah, no, I did read it in one sitting because it took me four hours. Um, and I think that's because I had to stop at one point because I, I have calculated my reading speed at about a hundred page an hour if I can fully engage in the book. Did you read the hardcover copy? It did. Yeah. Isn't it 340 something pages? Because the read was wrong. <laughs> Sarah. It's 346 with acknowledgments and oh 342. Either way, I still read it in under four hours. Yeah, but that's the thing, because Goodreads, that's why I was reading it so late, is because I was like, oh, I'm at 200 and like 50 something pages. So it's fine. I'll be done soon. And then I actually flipped through it and I was like, motherfucker, there's 40 extra pages here that it doesn't have. <laughs> but I still, you know, I still read it because I didn't want to stop. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I don't always trust the page count on Goodreads because it's like particular editions or I don't know. Who it's put just information, information in. that somebody's yeah. put in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, well, in theory, it should be drawing from Amazon for the information. Um, yeah, and I looked at their other editions for the book. I could not find one that matched the right page number, even for like the hard. So I honestly have no idea on that one. Uh, I am terrible. I never pay attention to what edition I select on Goodreads. I'm like, this is the title. This is the author. <laughs> Either way, it's getting done. <laughs> if it's less episode or less pages, great. If it's more pages, that is future Amberly's problem. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Mine, it usually gives me like the Kindle version, which tends to underrepresent the page numbers. And I do get annoyed by that because then I'm like, oh, good. I'm 60% of the way there. But <laughs> yeah. Especially on like a book that I don't want to necessarily read, and I feel like I'm almost done, but then it, it I'm not. That's a disappointment. <laughs> uh, have recent experience of that? I take it. Uh, not super recent. Maybe like okay. a month or two ago. Oh, okay, well, that's good. So, starting with Darcy, what did you guys all think of Darcy? Were you able to hear my neighbors at all just now? I heard a faint squeaking. Oh, yeah, that was their door alarm thing when they press the buttons. Um, always oh, okay. Beep beeps, and then it, like, says something. Oh, okay. Um, but Darcy. I like Darcy. Yeah? 
I, I, I thought she made, made some legit bad decisions. Um, doing the whole locker thing altogether was pretty resourceful, but not real bright. But I think well, teenagers tend, yeah, tend to make bad decisions as it is. Um, but she was pretty good at keeping it all private. She, she, nobody caught her for a very long time. Yeah, that was the impressive part about that. I was like, really? Really? That long? You managed to not be known for that long? Yeah, I was calling bullshit in the beginning, but then the, the author went through a very descriptive detail on why it is that this locker, she could manage to be there and not get caught. It was in a side hallway. There was a door at the beginning of the hallway. She had the ability to hear if somebody was coming. Um, and nobody removed used it the off pool. the list. Yeah, yeah, I removed it off the list because she had the ability. Yeah, it, at least there was. I mean, the last book we read, there was no legit reasoning why <laughs> the person was able to do with the things they were able to do. But this one, the, the author explained what was going on. So yeah, it, that worked for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it was, it was at least explainable. Um, there were times that I wasn't Darcy's biggest fan. And it wasn't so much that, like, like it was invalid. Like, there were just times where she made some ex- extreme assumptions. And, then, and towards the end, she's like, wow, maybe I should stop assuming things and actually <laughs> listen to what others are saying. Um, I think that's just indicative of any teenager. Yeah, which is why I was like, I, I don't, I'm not loving this about this character. I'm like, but it's not unreal. I'm like, I was probably the same way as a teenager. As an adult, I'm like, oh, child, grow up. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I was, I was probably in the same boat. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, what about you, Sarah? I Yeah, I like Darcy. I like how she was written a lot because she does feel authentically teenaged. Because um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of the times when they have YA books with, uh, well, I guess they're, are they automatically YA if they've got like a 17-year-old protagonist or pretty much yeah it just seems like they're usually written in a way that they're either supposed to seem super mature and correct all the time and you know just like the world revolves around them and they can't do wrong um and i do like that she you know she had this hobby and she did her research and everything like that but there were still a lot of ways that she didn't know everything that she was definitely not fully informed like I think oh god his name is Finn like how Finn points out that she's not going to know the experiences for certain people and so she's yeah. kind of been making you know those assumptions sort of thing again blanket so assumptions this very much reminded me of the tv show sex education on Netflix um where the male main character there is giving such sex education advice because his mom is a sex or a relationship sex therapist um and and the whole failure in that situation is that maybe he doesn't have the correct education to be giving that kind of advice yet not that he was ever approaching it completely wrong but like he just wasn't aware of everything that he needed to be factoring in and that's very much how i felt about darcy is is she clearly knew what to look for Um, but she didn't quite have the top tier education that maybe she could have been, if give her a college degree in psychology and she's probably going to be 
top in her class in that kind of thing situation. Yeah. So, but they very much did address the fact that there is a reason why psychologists or psychiatrists go to college for a very long time because mm-hmm. people are complex. It's not ever as simple as it's just this, this, and this. And there's a reason why you go to therapy for many, many sessions, not just one. And the psychologist just says, okay, this is the solution to your problem. They may know from minute one, but they've got to make sure they have all the information before they start declaring the easy fix. Yeah. Well, and, and I like the fact that the situation with Finn, where Finn goes, no, you, why, why would I ask this locker? They don't know me. Um, I'm glad that that actually came up so much further in the book at a point where Darcy was starting to realize that sort of thing. Um, Cause I feel like if it had come up before then Darcy would have gotten indignant. And then I may not have liked her as much if um, she had turned around and said, why wouldn't I know what, how to help you? Uh, so I did enjoy that progression where I actually believe she was at the point that she was actively listening to what he was saying. So, yeah. Yeah. She would have probably gotten indignant or defensive earlier on. So yeah, it, Mm -hmm. it progressed very well there. Um, and I did also really like, although I was also very disappointed, obviously in her as a person, but how she handled like Brooke and her. Jazz, jazz was it who was the jazz was the first one yeah yeah but no that's what I meant like oh okay because it was just such a realistic thing for a person to do it was so shitty but like it also made a lot of sense for a teenager who was like in love with their best friend to just take that opportunity and particularly kind of- because she was so young when the first incident happened and then then progressing to where it comes around to the second incident. And she, she thought about it a bit more and, and tried to not do the wrong thing. Um, mm-hmm. And she was guilt. She was guilt ridden. Yeah, she was guilt ridden. But yeah, to have that much power. There, there's a reason also why they tell psychologists to not get into relationships with their patients, no matter how close they get, because there's a lot of power to know personal, intimate information about people. Well, and and to have the authority to guide someone in how to react to a situation, which she she learned the consequences of that is by, you know, telling Brooke what to do. She destroyed a potential. Never know what could have been Jazz and Brooke because Darcy prevented that. Although it seems like they're still friends. Um, Yeah, they they like made up afterwards but then that's how they found out about the uh the whole sabotage thing yeah which i will say i was surprised when it was repairing brooke and ray at the end because i actually almost was expecting it that somehow jazz and brooke were gonna end up together i think it said though that jazz was in a relationship with one yeah. of her friends from church okay which I yeah, guess she hasn't moved on to a new relationship. Yeah. Go the other way. She wouldn't have had to do that. But yeah, I think that was definitely one of the reasons why that wasn't like hinted at more. Yeah. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised because I, I was almost like, oh, it's going to end up being broken jazz. And not that I didn't want it or did want it, but I was like, okay, I mean, that magically resolves the original issue that Darcy created. Um, but it actually being broken Ray was kind of nice. I don't. I don't know that I like Brooke and Ray together, only in the sense of what Ray did was like, I don't know if I could get 
could forgive someone who rigged an election. I actually kind of liked the two of them. Um, okay. I, I, I think the point behind that was just showing that Darcy's obsession with Brooke was very idealistic and very unrealistic. She thought, and, and there were little things that were said in the beginning is like, Oh, she doesn't like the same movies as me. And she doesn't like, and, and she wasn't recognizing their own incompatibility. Yeah. Um, and whereas Brooke and Ray, they were very compatible, even if there was conflict there. They, and, yeah. and so I think it was just a showing of the, of the difference between the two types, not types of relationships, but, um, you, you, you know, at, at having a relationship, you, you need to recognize those things that are compatible and th- those things that aren't compatible. And if they're not compatible, how much of an impact is that on the overall relationship? I think never being able to go to the movie you like to watch because the other, your partner doesn't just absolutely will not watch those movies. I think that's pretty incompatible. It's a lifetime of not watching a movie together or giving up what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, for me, it was very obvious from the beginning that Brooke and Darcy were not truly compatible. Best friend material. Yes. I, I, you know, I've had friends that had completely different views. I mean, we had things in common, but we had completely different views. And there were multiple times where people were like, how are you guys friends? And we said that there are certain topics that we just choose not to engage in and you know at the time I was what probably 14 15 and so like one of the primary things is um we had taken a test in AP government that was giving an idea of what your leanings are towards politically and I was the farthest person in the class to left like as far as anyone could get I was probably like a centimeter away from being the very edge was um, this a school top. on a military base yes okay and I was like towards the top, like I like like you could not get more liberal if you tried in my answers. Um, and meanwhile, my my friend, my best friend at the time, she was the exact opposite. She was in the furthest right corner. And everyone was like, how are the two of you such good friends? Because everyone knew we were good friends. We were always hanging out together. We never had fights. And we're just like, these are the topics we don't we don't discuss. We don't need to. And and we and when they do come up around others, we don't we don't get antagonistic towards each other. We accept that we each have our own views, um, and there's no no harm in that, and that we can learn from each other in the process. Um, but yeah, so I've, I, you can have healthy like platonic friendships with people that are very different than you, although it does require like actively choosing to accept differences. Um, but relationship-wise, that's such a big, big compromise <laughs> that I don't know that it works quite as well in relationships. Well, yeah, especially if you're living with that person and there's no escape from them. Yeah. Or if they can't shut up about their particular views yeah. or for a fight all the time. <laughs> I didn't learn that lesson until I was well into an adult. I was very intolerant, not, not intolerant in the way of like I would be confrontation but just okay i can't handle your point of view i'm done interacting with you and i would just end any interaction um 
then I got into a job that I was being paid enough money that I wasn't going to leave the job just because I couldn't handle the people I was working with. And there were some extreme opposite points of view. And then it gets into how do you confront people and say, stop, we're not having this conversation. I find what you're saying offensive. And yet as offensive as you are to my perception, I still have to work with you. I still have to interact with you. Um, and we have to get along in the workplace. And it, it was in the past. If I didn't like who I was dealing with, I would just quit my job and get a different job. And I, and I turned over jobs a lot because of that. And then I finally got paid enough that I'm like, yeah, we, yeah, no, I'm not giving up this paycheck to move on and do a different thing. Um, so yeah, it, it was a learning curve for me. It was hard. And, and I mean, Sarah touched on why it wasn't such a hard thing for me. I grew up in the military and for anyone who doesn't have any experience in that situation, at least living in it, where you're not the, the one in the military, you end up one, you, you move regularly. Um, pretty regularly. We, not, not everybody moves regularly. Not everybody we does, but most regularly. of them do. If, if you choose to move like, the, the spouse in the military will be going to different stations pretty regularly in order to progress in their career. My family made the active choice to then shift with my father um, so that we could be around him and be with him. There are others who their family chooses to stay in one location and they just make time to go back and see them. Um, or it's called they, homesteading. They around. Yeah. So but the big thing with the military is there are a lot of different types of personalities and people and families that end up being part of the military lifestyle. And it, particularly being as liberal as I am, that's not the most common type of people who are ending up in the military. Um, so from a very young, young age, I learned to be accommodating to other people's differences and recognizing that just because they're different doesn't make them wrong, doesn't mean I need to, you know, be mean to them or like ice them out as my, my mother tended to do <laughs> um, when she was that age. So, you know, I, I just, I learned that it just wasn't possible. And then on top of that, in my high school, my graduating class was 40 people. There, there was no icing anyone out. There weren't enough of us to ice people out. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I've always been, I, cause I know those people who are like, how can you stand the fact that so-and-so is saying this or so-and-so is saying that, or, um, uh, you know, I work in a library now and, and sometimes certain people come in and my coworkers maybe like make faces or not horrible faces, but like they have an, an instinctive reaction to a situation. And meanwhile, I'm like, just still smiling and stuff. And they're like, how does that not bother you? And I'm like, Hey, they're, they're just them. They're just people. They, they have a reason for why they're acting that way and it's not for me to judge them for why they act that way i can just be myself and be nice to them and they may change or they may not so um what did you guys think of i'm gonna say this wrong again from hey you got it oh fantastic i thought i hated his effing name that was i just call him alexander i i You're oh Alex. Or Alex, whatever, I don't care. But Broham through the entire book said every other, ugh, why that name? Why that name? Why that name? Maybe it's why? a really well-known last name in Australia. I doubt it. 
I I doubt it. <laughs> she said that simply. Like I'm I sorry. Doubt it. It's no. I I. But other than that, I really like the character. He he um. He clearly had problems in his life. Mm-hmm. They didn't really get into a huge explanation as to how he ended up in the United States. Um which really wasn't necessary as far as knowing why he was there. But um, yeah, he had a hard life, but he still managed to. So it's, and I I like this aspect of the book, the fact that he was clearly his, his father, his, his parents unequivocally rich, just like dirty rich. Um, I wish someone could drop a Disneyland trip on me. Like (laughs) I'll just pay for you and your siblings. You just, and all your food and you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, clearly very, very rich. Um, but he still had problems, as everybody does. And I liked that aspect of this book, where we're not going to just pretend like the rich boys are rich boys or rich girls are rich girls, rich people are rich people, whatever. And so they have no problems. We're going to address that, the fact that everyone has problems and we have to accept those problems in people's lives and, you know, and people have to learn how they're going to deal with them and, he was pretty straightforward. You know, I don't want your apologies. I don't want your, your explanations. I know where I'm at and I know what's going on in my life. There's nothing you can do to change it. So I I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I was, I didn't dislike him, but I don't know that I like really liked him. Like everything seemed pretty reasonable. Um, like why he acted the way he did all that kind of stuff why the two of them ended up together like it was it was completely reasonable like but there wasn't anything about him that like had me massively rooting for him to end up with her like i don't know it, like i just I, I can tell you when i was rooting for him when i started saying okay yeah i really want these two together it's when they ended up in that damn tree in in the thunderstorm <laughs> it's just like the stupidest thing i'd ever seen but um, you've got a weird that. look on your face. Am I mixing books? No, that's right. That, that's okay. I just don't okay. remember it. I yeah, just they drove it. out. Yeah, they went out the the storm and and He's ended like, up on top of the hill. Yeah, thunderstorm. He's like, yeah. the lightning's far away. It's fine. Yeah, and I thought this kid's got guts. I like this kid, <laughs> and he knew he understood. He under, understood the components of the storm enough to know that it, it was far away, and so they could be up in the tree, and it, the tree wasn't going to get struck by lightning, and they, they would be fine. But I thought that was pretty cool. I do not remember that. Grant, it's been a week since I read it. It's like, yeah, that's like one of the biggest like bonding moments is when they go on that rain that car rain drive. Yeah, yeah. I don't you remember don't... them getting into the tree. Oh yeah, he jumped out of the car in the pouring rain, and she's just like, "What are you doing?" Nope, it's been a week. I do not remember. <laughs> see, see, this is what would happen I, when I saw you guys finishing book on like Sunday and Monday. I'm like, okay, yeah, but I can't always finish it the day before. Sometimes I got things to do, and I knew I had a, yeah. I had a hard work week ahead of me, and it was, um, so it was get it done so that I did. I wasn't too tired and, and non-functioning on Friday night to read it and finish it. Uh, and I just didn't remember that moment. It just didn't have an impact on me. So <laughs> happens to me on occasion. Um, I, now what did have an impact on me uh, was the Disneyland trip. Oh, that of author, course it did. 
uh, I don't, I don't know if like the author has been to Disneyland. I don't know. Somehow she they must captured have been because it was been. captured so well. Yeah, the first time I read this book, I was like, oh my god! Obviously, it was during the pandemic, and my yeah I didn't have easy access to Disneyland anymore anyway. But I was like, oh my god, I want to go back there so badly. This is exactly the, the adventure. Uh, which okay so for context for listeners because they don't know this we used to have annual passes we went once a month for what like two years three years say who we is me and sarah and then me and kim too because me and kim would go once a month too um so all of us would at least once a month go to disneyland because we're just far enough away that it's not it's a day trip um so yeah i that was i was like oh this is solid this is solid. I, I, it, this sounds like Disneyland. This sounds like going yeah. to Disneyland. Although I will say they didn't leave her house until like nine o'clock. And I think they said that it was like an hour away to Disneyland. So they got there at like what? 10 o'clock. That's really late to get there at Disneyland. You got to get there right away, man. The local locals tend to go, go later. They don't want to be there in the fir- the early rush. They tend to go. Oh, when it's hot and crowded? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it could have been fall, but no, not when it's hot. And cr- they just tend to go later in the day. They, they don't like yeah. deal with the. It, we always aimed for the early morning go. There are people who live to that side of Los Angeles will wait until like three o'clock, four o'clock, and they'll do the evening. Yeah. Cool, like time frame. That's one of the complaints about how things are done now is the fact that the locals can't just drop in. You have to reserve your day. That's one of the big, yeah, one of the big things that's going on right now is, is they change the annual passes and, and And the fast pass system. It sucks now from what I understand. But, but the locals, yeah, the locals can't get in just whenever they want to, like they used to, they can't, that's changed completely. and, And it's caused a lot of, well, hate and discontent so for reference sarah like if we were to go so we used to get the 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 fast passes so we could do it all online right we'd get the max pass so we could do it all online right and that was about 20 bucks which it is still now for the genie system but cars rise of the resistance and there's one other one I, uh, oh spider-man the new spider-man ride those in order to get lightning lane tickets you have to pay an extra 12 to 20 dollars per ride per person okay yeah dumb yeah Yeah. and and now and because of this new system space mountain has gone from like a 60 minute wait to maybe 120 minute wait so it's averaging 240 minutes wait a four hour wait to get on space mountain in general yeah, but oh, is that based on the, because they, I, I've been reading about this. They doctor the numbers. They, they play do. games with the numbers so that they can push people off of rides. So the, the system may say it's a 240 minute wait, but if you go look, it's only really actually like a hundred minute wait. Someone was tracking it and it's like, even before the doctoring wait times, like the highest we've ever seen, it was like 120 minutes. For Space Mountain, that's double that amount of time. So yeah. they're still, if they're doctoring, that's still an insanely high estimate. That you're asking people to potentially wait four hours to get on Space Mountain. 
Yeah, um, it, it, a lot's going to depend on if this guy that's running it right now stays running it. So yeah, that's the there's a lot a of drama of him. Yeah, there's a lot of drama <laughs> going on in Disneyland right now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, could you imagine it, Sarah? If we went and like we would have to pay like another sixty bucks to get on any of those three rides. Well, I wouldn't go on or all of those distance. Um, I mean, maybe once, but doesn't it have a drop in it, so I wouldn't go on that more. But than it's once. not a massive drop. It's but still a drop, unless that takes. Like, you would not more go drop, to see Kylo Ren. I told you I would go once. He once. is also not my favorite character, but I would go once for the Star Wars experience. However, if it has more of a drop than Pirates of the Caribbean, and it does not have a giant T Rex roaring at you before you drop, I'm not going to ride on it more than once. Um, <laughs> Why is the T Rex a need? Because on Universal Studios, I will go on the Jurassic Park ride because it has the big T Rex and it's kind of cool. Um, even though I hate that drop at the end, I do like that part. Uh, so um, from what I understand, it's no worse than like a, the Pirates of the Caribbean drop or like um, Thunder Mountain style. Well, yeah, well, it's not massive. Then that I would want to go on it more than once. And apparently the <laughs> ride would be a nightmare to get on. Um, yeah. Okay, Amber, um, remind me of Spider-Man because I love that ride, but now my brain can't, can't formulate the ride. I haven't even heard of Spider-Man. Oh, it's a newer ride. It came out after the pandemic. It's the one where oh, you, you kill the, the robots. <laughs> oh my god, it was so fun. Spider-Man whip. It's like Toy Mania, but like you're like shooting robot spiders with your hands, as In opposed front to of a using screen. it. Yeah, but yeah, the but screen, you're like, moving. It shifts but around you're moving. Yeah, through a story. Okay, so like Toy Mania, I would then get motion sick on that one. So yeah, I don't know. Oh, you would not want to do that one. Um. <laughs> You probably would not like that one because, yeah, you would probably get motion sick on it. Although it's it's bigger screens like at Universal. I don't know. Like Transformer really style screen in movement. Uh, I think I've been on that one once. Um, yeah, and Cars, obviously, is just a really long line to drive. In I car. love Cars. You can I just love that ride. Do that on the freeway. <laughs> Um, no you can't do that on the freeway (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't go that fast no it doesn't go that fast it doesn't have those dips and 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 turns so i i like the cars ride it's fun i know you do i like it my favorite for anyone who's wondering at this point is thunder mountain i love thunder mountain so luckily i wouldn't have to pay extra to go on my ride and, I love, and, and I love Space Mountain, but yeah. you know that would apparently be so, four hours. Or no, those would be cover under the general twenty dollar like max pass style thing that's oh. going on. Um, so we it would be kind of like them. It's called the Genie now, but you would get that 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 experience with that. It's just those three rides are considered so high demand that in order to get easy access to them, you have to pay more money. I see. Well, Disney can just go fuck itself for all I care after what they did in 2019. So, you know. What did they do in 2019? What did they do? They released The Rise of Skywalker. Oh. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> you but, that movie. So, fuck them all. <laughs> and yet, as we sit here, we're going, man, I wish I could go back to Disneyland. This book is Yeah, really- <laughs> I wish I could Disneyland. go back for free. <laughs> well, anyway, Disneyland, like, that doesn't exist anymore, apparently. Now it's different um uh, so well the genie pass hadn't come out yet we went in october and november and i mean it still felt 
pretty similar. Um, so other than, you know, people somewhat in masks. Hmm. But back to the book. Yeah, back <laughs> to this book that we're doing the podcast. <laughs> yes, the Disneyland part, though. Very nostalgic. Yes. I thought it fast pass. Oh. Amber was all excited about the Disneyland part. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty dry. I, I didn't, I, it, there was no nostalgia in that, that writing for me. I didn't think that part was as great as, as Amber did. And clearly you did too, but yeah. <laughs> yes. But like, no offense, you're older. And like your, <laughs> oh, damn. your, your, my gut your, reaction was to do an F you, but I, I let it go. I let it go. And, and your season pass, you only had it for like a year. Um, and we had to bring our nephew, my nephew multiple times. Oh, so so you didn't get, you didn't God. get to do a lot of that, like adult Disney going Disney experience where like you're a teenager or you're in your twenties or in your early thirties and you, you go as an adult at Disneyland. Um, yeah. You, you always have done it as a small child. Yeah. You, you've done like, a lot of the like adult with child experiences, not so much the just going as an adult and getting to do what you want to do. And yeah, we, you and I went just you and I several times. So. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And we had fun, but like, like for Sarah and I, it became a habit. Like it would be like, Oh, what, t- what, what day this month are we going? Cause I'm Jones and <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really like have that so that makes sense that that part didn't like yeah evoke that emotion for I did, like you. the ferris wheel scene oh god Which I, was, I am so glad i've never gone on that ride and will continue oh it's to never nowhere near as bad as it was written However, not even how, remotely close not even however, a little bit close well from the ground however, it looks terrifying i don't however, have like normal big no no be quiet <laughs> no yes. i do have to point out that the last time kim wrote it she nearly vomited i well okay i was already nauseous before we got on the ride because i hadn't eaten. i know yeah and so i was i was already not feeling great and then we got on it and it was doing the back and, and it was forth. swinging back and forth and i got i got seasick i'm gonna do motion that because motion sickness queasy. uh queasy yeah no i was more than queasy it was almost oh, head between she, my knees she was uh, green and i thought she was gonna throw up and rex was freaking out and 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 finally because never your, actually your dad seen. was on with this he finally said rex you need to stop stop we're just getting through this and we're gonna just leave it alone so yeah, it I've, was. I've never been on a ride with someone and actually looked at them and thought they're going to be sick. <laughs> I looked over at my mom and thought, I made it. She made I it. Powered through that. <laughs> it took it, supreme willpower, but I legitimately looked at her and thought, she is so, going to grow up. <laughs> I. This is something that's developed in the past two years for some reason. Um, I was riding in my sister's truck going up and we were going to buy property in the high Sierras and we were going to, to look at some property and we were on these huge switchbacks and then we go and then we go and I had eaten oatmeal that morning, really super early in the morning. And we're on all this. And I finally said to my sister, you got to stop. You got to stop now. And she's like, you got to hold it for, I, there's no place to stop. So she finally stops. I, and I didn't quite make it and puked in my lap. 
Um, then vomit we waiting for this episode. Yeah, vomit <laughs> warning. Um, then we were we did buy the property that we were going to look at that one time, and then we Mike and I were coming back, and we we're coming down the hill, and I hadn't eaten that morning, and I was nauseous coming down the hill and um again it's a lot of twists and turns and and a lot of bumps we're we're off road for a good portion of getting to our property and then um he pulls over and sure enough and but i had nothing in my stomach that time there was nothing to pick up it was just dry heaves and it was awful and then on the ride i had it so it's three times i don't know what's happening i'm getting old and i'm losing my ability i used to be solid as a rock on any ride it didn't, but didn't make you, me sick then you got pregnant and you got yes. sick. yes and, and now it's progressed to motion sickness yeah yeah but yeah i they were on that they were describing being on that ride and all i could think about was when you <laughs> i was sick yeah you i made it through you made it through but i was like oh god and and i am a sympathy vomiter and so i was like oh god she's gonna go and if she goes i'm gonna go and we're we're done and we're spewing this all over all the people below us and we were in our costumes this was halloween we were there halloween night we were all dressed in costumes like I was just like please please and rex is panicking because he was sitting straight across from her Oh, because <laughs> he was between Allie and I. And so he was sitting straight across from her and he thought she was he thought she was going to vomit on him. Um, See, I don't even remember other than your dad saying, stop, stop. Yeah, you need to stop. No, we're talking about this. Stop. And I'm just yeah. like, power, power, power. Are we done yet? And my eyes were closed. And I finally said, Amber, is this the last stop? Because, you know, they stop as you go around. And she finally goes, yes, this is the last stop. Stood up. Yeah. We went and got me something to eat. And I was fine the rest of the day. It was just. Yeah. It, it's about having something in my stomach that I want there. So, well, and, and so, cause obviously Sarah, you've not been on that ride. I could not get you on that ride. Even if we were in one of the still cars, I don't think you'd get on that ride. Uh, obviously not. not. Like, you know, my terror of heights is like anything above 30 feet. I'm going to have a problem. And that's a mm-hmm. huge wheel. It is. Even yeah. normal, big. Small Ferris wheels. I get nervous on and don't particularly yeah. want to go on. So unless like, you tranquilize me. Hey guys, stop for a second. Amber, can you okay. pause? So what I was going to say, Sarah, is, is cause you obviously you're never going to get on that ride and it's, I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, if you're in the wrong setting, it doesn't work. And this is where I think she has been to Disneyland because you'll be going and you hit and it's, it's total physics. You hit a point where the cart can no longer sit on the portion of the loop that it's on. And it just, goes it's like a, a free drop and then you swing because obviously the momentum won't won't stop you don't just like fall to the other side and sit still you have to carry through the pendulum like kind of action and it does that and then you slowly shift around and then you do it going back the other way <laughs> God, it's not that bad so much oh you, no it doesn't matter it's it not matter, that bad. Sarah. Even if it didn't move, it would be terrible. So any movement at all, including any dropping or sudden motion while you're up high, would be terror-inducing to yeah, me. Yeah, because you don't personally. even go on credit coaster, right? No, I've never been on that. I'm not yeah. sure if you've noticed, but it loops. So yeah. fuck that. Been on it several times. <laughs> yes, we've noticed the loop. Even Rex yeah. liked it. Yeah, I think it also has a drop in there multiples it's, it's a roller yeah. coaster it has multiple drops yeah. the reason i like space mountain is because it's a spiral, spiral. it doesn't go whoop 
straight down. I would not get on it if it was a straight down one. Yeah, the only one that we Thank go you. on now that I think about it is is Thunder Mountain. And that doesn't have like any big drops either. Uh, it has a it couple, has- but like they're, they drop and then fall into spirals. It's not like a gummit drop. And it's not a stomach drop. drop. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I hate oh. that sensation. So if your stomach drops, I don't want anything to do with it. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Are we going to talk about the book now? She's not lying. I guess yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I will say, okay. So continuing on with that, I did love the fact that she convinced Ainsley to get the ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of the book is her seeing her older sister and saying she didn't get that experience as a child. I'm going to convince her to get it now that the cop, the, the memory was worth the cost. I was devastated when Ainsley didn't get to go do the, um, the, the bippity boppity boo, uh, princess yeah, the makeover thing. Yeah. The makeover thing. Oh, like, you know what? Maybe they need to do this for adults too. They do it at Disney world. Oh, do they for adults? Yeah, you I as a family can that. go in and do like, or they at least they used to. It's not always princesses, but you can like dress up as pirates. So you can do a session with your entire family where they'll put face makeup on you. You'll get hats, uh, fake swords, all that kind of stuff. At Disney World, it's a family experience, not just a child experience. Oh, poor Ainsley. I wanted her yeah. to do that. I know. I her sister's going to have to take her to Disney World. Yeah, it's that simple. I would happily read that book, Ainsley at Disney World. <laughs> it doesn't need a plot Ainsley at Disney World I think yeah. Ainsley was my favorite character okay uh, so I've got it because the way this is written these days and I really really like it but Ainsley was was trans yes okay that's what I thought and that's I, and I thought it was really blatant but it was never blatantly addressed it was just it was there was Ainsley before and there's Ainsley now yeah yeah um yes yes Ainsley was trans and I actually like it. Well, okay. So what I like is probably about five years ago, if you had a trans character in your book, there had to be this massive discussion about like, why did they do it? And what do they feel? And how is it? Um, And now it's becoming more and more. This was a choice that was made. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I love that writing of it. I love it. Um. Because I know you guys hated it in the Ravenous Dark, but I did like the, the trans character in there too. Um, and, and not even trans, non-binary, I think actually was that, oh, okay, that yeah, character. Oh, yeah, I was going to say trans. Um, talking about not, but non-binary, yeah, yeah. But that that the fact that we now have this idea that your born gender does not define you. And just because your true gender is different doesn't mean that it has to be this traumatic like massive thing that has to be beaten to death and discussion in a book. Instead, it's just something you adapt. It's no different than if someone, you know, experienced, like, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing and give it horrible comparison, but like, like, you know, it's just, it just is. It just is. So when you have a loving, supportive family who accepts you for who you are, it is just what it is and 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 the family recognizes this is the person they are meant to be and um and i like the fact fantastic there was a hint in this book that maybe the father wasn't not not as accepting but didn't know how to handle it because it was had a difficult time didn't no longer 
actively chose to go there to the father's house, but would go there. Um, so that recognition that just because maybe one of your parents doesn't understand doesn't mean that you have this devastating childhood that, you know, cripples you. Well, and I think there's there's an acceptance of of in the trans community of the loss that the the parent feels because it is a mourning process. And I, and I think that, that it kind of was addressed in this, in this book is that the father mourned the loss of his son, but was, was working his way to learning how to acknowledge this, this new child he has and, um, And, and accept her for who she was. Is. And there was there was clearly and it wasn't just that it was Ainsley was the problem because they got to the point where the mother says you should ask more questions when it comes to Darcy. So clearly the father just didn't know how to connect with his children as a whole. Yeah. As opposed to it being just a trans issue. It was mm-hmm. it, he clearly had a struggle in being a parent. He wasn't equipped to be a parent. Yeah. Um so I like that. I like that it wasn't just, oh, Ainsley doesn't go. It was Darcy has to go still. Um, maybe if you want a better relationship, you should be discussing it. You should be looking at how you talk to Darcy, what you ask her. And that's um, actually one of the things I like about the state of California. They actually start giving children the choice of when they can go fairly early on. If it's what I remember, it's 13 and they yeah. can they can say, nope, I don't want to go visit that parent any longer. And they can choose to not. Interestingly enough, most don't. Most choose to continue to see their parents until they get into the higher teen years. And then it's that then the confrontation isn't necessarily something that they want to get, engage in. But um, California respects that children have choices, too. So yeah. I like that. So, yeah. And then, um, so I think another thing that I really liked about this is the scene, because obviously for anyone who hasn't read it or figured it out by this point, Darcy identifies as bi. And I really liked the conversation she had where she was explaining her, um, when, when she was in the, the Q&Q club, which is the Queer and Questioning Club, I think is what was the title. Yeah. Um, And she's explaining to them the struggle that she's had being bi because her best friend Brooke has said things that made her feel less queer. Um, And the struggle of, can I, do I get to still identify this if I'm in a appearing heteronormative relationship? And I definitely, I never, I've never felt like ostracized by my sexual preference because for anyone who doesn't know I identify as pansexual um but at the same time I recognize that like I just don't give a shit what other people think about me um so I've never had like this weird fear of like someone's not going to accept my own choice and but I can understand why there are people particularly people who identify as bi they they get a lot more stigma of, I've noticed with pansexual people really can't seem to understand um, or heteronormative people can't seem to understand what exactly it means. Um, The worst joke I get is, so you're attracted to a pan. Um, And I'm just like, no, you're just ignorant. (laughs) People are so fucking stupid sometimes. 
Um, well, as people are more familiar with the term bi, even though now a lot of bi, bisexual individuals don't see it as just like one gender or another, they, they also consider trans individuals and non-binary individuals. They just prefer the title of, of bi versus pan. Um, but there's a lot of phobia behind if you are a, let's say a bi woman and you're not in a relationship with a female, then, oh, you're not truly bi. Or even on the flip side, if a bi female is then with a woman who exclusively identifies as being uh, lesbian, there are times in, unfortunately, in the lesbian community that they don't want to date someone who is bi. That there's some weird stigma that they don't want to date a female who is willing to also date men. And there's also this weird need to assume that for some reason, someone who can be attracted to multiple people or multiple types of people is going to like cheat on you or, you know, well, and that all of their outdoors just they just want to have sex with anybody and everybody. They're they're nymphomaniacs yeah. or whatever. And that, yeah, that's it's such a a, a I, I don't even know what to say. It's such a, a disgusting assumption that you, yeah. you can't you can't look at the individual and talk to the individual and determine who the individual is. Because guess what? There are people who identify as heterosexual and cheat with anybody and everybody they can get their hands on. And then even if it's somebody who is of the same gender, they'll just say, oh, no, that, I'm not I'm not doing that. We're just having fun, you know, or, you know, or and, and so you, people are people and and you should I, let people be who they are and um, determine who they are as individuals before you decide who you think they are. Yeah. And, and it, to me, it's come across as this thing that people don't know how to have healthy conversations. Cause like another group that obviously faces a lot of stigma is polysexuals. And again, the assumption is that these people are out there running around trying to have sex with as many people as possible when actually it requires so much conversation to expand your relationship out beyond just one person. Um, you, you have to make sure that all partners involved understand the requirements, the needs of everyone, you know, you need to respect how they want to interact with each other when it comes to you. Like, it's not just running around. For some reason, bisexual and polysexual has become nymphomaniacs and pansexual. Mm -hmm. People treat like pansexual as nymphomaniacs too. And it's so funny because um, people, when I, you know, I've said I'm pansexual and stuff, they're like, oh, so you'll just have sex with anyone. And it's like, no, actually, I'm very, very picky. And then I'm like, and in fact, a lot of the times people who identify as asexual end up with people who are pansexual because that pansexual person goes, oh, you don't want sex? Okay, I don't need sex. Cool. I adore you. So yeah, I'm cool. I don't need it. It's, it that does not have to be a factor. And I've had, I've had friends in the past who are like, my pansexual boyfriend it's just, he says he's cool. I'm like, but he's had all of these sexual experiences. How can he be cool with me not wanting to have these sexual experiences? And I'm like, as pansexual, it's not a need. The focus is very much on the person they're attracted to, not the need for the sex. If you, if, if who you are does not like that. Okay. I like you. So that means I like the things you like. You don't like that. I don't need it. <laughs> So yeah, it it amazes me how little time people spend trying to understand other people. 
Yeah. And so I think that conversation did a really good job of one reaffirming for her who she was, but also allowing her the safe space to express the problems she was having. And I, I like the fact that Brooke heard her. <clears throat> I like the yeah. fact that everyone at the end was like, you know, we accept who, you. Know, they all declared flat out. Yeah. We accept you as, as even you Raina. are. Yeah. Even Raina. So like Raina hates her guts. She blocked her and everything like that. But I love the fact that Raina, the, the, the relationship between Darcy and Raina really progressed in this story. Mm-hmm. And it, and, and it was Darcy who was in the wrong. Raina made bad choices, but Darcy didn't like Raina purely for the fact that Raina, she probably recognized that Raina liked Brooke. And yeah. so it, it was, it was jealousy and, 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 um, and then by the end, she's like, well, there's choices that Raina makes that I don't particularly like. She's, I think she was just a little, Raina was a little too hard driven for, for, uh, Darcy's Kate. Darcy's pretty casual. Yeah. Um, but she did recognize Darcy did come to recognize that Raina and Brooke really worked together and really yeah. seemed to really care about each other. Did you have any comments about that scene you wanted to make, Sarah? Like the sorry, the, did I cut you off? The, did no, I cut you no, off? No, you okay. didn't. I was just, I was just so checking if Sarah wanted to add anything to any of this. Um, no, I did like that scene, uh, especially because I had read other books recently where I don't know. It just seems like that kind of subject matter doesn't. It's not really integrated very well with the storyline. It's like the author wants to make a point or prove how aware of the issues they are. And so they just kind of throw it in there and doesn't actually blend very well with the story. And you just, I mean, I know they're trying, but at the same time, I just get that sense of like, it just doesn't feel authentic. And it feels like they're trying really hard to hit every community. So we've got to include LGBTQ. Yeah. And this one was very organic. It it was... I like that the that the older sister who is now lo, no longer at the high school, but she started the club because oh, yeah, she was right. she, you know, she did her whole transitioning thing and and um and she started the club and but people the the students had taken hold of the club and continued it on so that there was that support for everybody who wanted to participate. I liked it. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I I think that was another point in this book that really like drew my attention. And it was clear that the author either is or knows someone well enough to be able to have that organic conversation to understand the subject. Like you said, other than that, that whole take a box. Oh, oh, I have this character. They're female. Oh, I'll just make them bi, but they're going to end up with a dude. So they're bi, but they're bi. I'm just going to say they are. Um, And so this is one of those few times when it ends up being that it, ends up as a heteronormative appearing relationship. Um, But there was legitimate struggle to get there and recognize that that doesn't change who Darcy is. Well, sometimes it feels like in some other books, like it's like, oh, I'm bi. And then they end up with the opposite sex in the end and the bi-ness just gets like. But there was also a very much a stated, because Ainsley said very matter-of-factly, to Darcy, high school relationships don't last. So mm-hmm. even if she ends up in this heteronormative 
relationship, which it's not because she's bi, so she is not yeah. hetero. Um, but fit or bro, bra, whatever. Bro, Alex, Alexander bro. is hetero. Alexander. Um, I really wanted to shout Alexander Hamilton when you said Alexander that way. But anyway, <laughs> on. but anyway, it probably isn't going to last. They are going to go on to other lives. You still need to have those relationships in high school and you still need to explore where you're going to end up with somebody. But in all of this, fully acknowledging Darcy could end up with a female. Or non-binary. Or non-binary. Yeah, true. Um, you know, so it, it relationships are transitory. And, you know, even if you end up with somebody for the rest of your life, things change as you're going then, through that relationship. And that doesn't negate your attraction to others. Yeah. I, I don't know why we've decided as a society that as soon as you get married, you're not allowed to feel attraction to other people. Yeah, I don't like, know either. It, it dumbfounds me. It's like, why can't you appreciate it? It's like, and why can't you have a partner who you then then like a healthy relationship? You then say, oh, I find that person attractive. And then you and your partner discuss it. It doesn't mean you're acting on it. But this is someone who should support you and be like, oh, why are you? What, what is it about them? Why that person? What is it? You know, let's talk about this. Let's have some fun with it. You know, it, it doesn't have to be that I'm now in this relationship and I don't see other people. You yeah. see other people all day long. It, it... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That denial tends to lead to the cheating because you deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself. And then suddenly you put it into the situation that you don't know how to healthily handle what you're feeling. So you make a mistake then. Because you haven't been teaching yourself how to handle attraction outside of your relationship. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Anyways, sorry. I don't know where that came from, but. <laughs> uh, Our typical tangents that go off onto. Uh, did you I, happen I, to read the, uh, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. say what you're going to say. I was going to say, did you happen to read the author's like comment on their Goodreads page for this book? Uh, I don't know. No. Why would they I say? Read it? I mean, I read it after I read the book, so I already really liked the book, but it was written mostly because in her first, in the book before it, Only Mostly Devastated, she did have a bisexual character that ended up with a male, um, even though she normally usually writes bisexual characters with same-sex partners. And I guess she got pushback for it, and then she felt bad like she'd done something wrong. And then the more she thought about it or whatever. Well, here, I have it. I'll read it out. Yeah. So on Goodreads, the author wrote, this book is a subtweet. I'm kidding, mostly. But Perfect on Paper was born of some very confused, conflicting feelings. At the time of writing, I was working on a sapphic rom-com, which I was intending to be my next book, Watch This Space in the Future, when something (laughs) happened. I've been writing bisexual characters for many years, and I'd always written them dating someone who shared their gender. Then in OMD, I wrote a bi character whose story culminated in a romance with someone of a different gender. And I suddenly received pushback. I started hearing that I'd done something wrong, and I won't list the specific things said here because they're just hurtful, but the reasons given boiled down to this. A bi person who is in a relationship with a different gender is not a correct queer representation. At first, as is normal when we hear we've done something wrong, I felt awful and doubted myself. But when I thought on it further, I didn't feel 
guilty anymore. Honestly, I felt angry because biphobia is so still so ingrained in the community that people not only feel it's acceptable to call a bi person less or not queer if they choose to date one person over another at a point in time, but that it was so ingrained within me that I hesitated, that I believed for a moment I might have done something wrong. So because I'm me, I did it again, but bigger. Perfect on paper is a rom-com. It's light, mostly. It's funny. Well, my funny, which means it's a lot of deadpan and self-deprecating humor, if you're into that. It's romantic. Its main pairing is male-female, and it's unapologetically, intensely queer. All of those things are true at once. It is about a lot of things. It's about relationships, romantic and platonic. It's about things we project onto other people to create a narrative that feels safe. It's about being part of the queer community and feeling like you've lost your place in a in it because of who you've fallen for. It's about Disneyland for a chapter. It's about biphobia. It's about love. I want to make it clear. This book has sapphic romance within it, but it is not a sapphic romance. I don't want anyone going into this hoping to see representation that isn't there. I know how that feels. However, I also want people to know the representation that is there. This is at its core, a very queer story. This story is for everyone, but most especially it is for my bi and my pan readers. You are queer because you are, and who you fall for or date or kiss does not alter that. No one else can change you. I know that the community has its prejudice, but I also know the boundless capacity for love and support that it has, the strength that it has, and I hope that those that this own voices book is seen for what it is, and that the fear in the pit of my stomach that will be pushed out for not being quite queer enough will turn out to be just that, only fear. Love to, to all of you. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was all those things. Yeah. But I just, I really, yeah, I really like that comment. And then I also just kind of like the idea of just not really spite writing a whole book, <laughs> but kind of. No, you, in a you way. love the idea of a spite, spite written book. Well, I'm You're just saying even. she might not, she probably wasn't doing it spitefully. I would yeah. totally, if I was a writer and someone made a comment like that, I'd be like, well, fuck you. And here's a whole book on exactly what you didn't like. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I definitely, definitely, I like that. Oh, yeah, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. The, I, I enjoyed it. On paper. <laughs> ah, uh, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> but also, yeah, I... Go ahead. I was going to say, also on Goodreads, I just, the first question that a, a person posted, like, just demonstrates exactly why a book like this is necessary. Because it's like, does anyone know why this book is labeled as LGBT when the main relationship looks like a straight one? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, good Lord. Bugs. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> but I thought, I thought the book covered that very, very well. Yeah. As far no, as exactly. really addressing like, the yes. fact that, that she's going to end up in, in this relationship that doesn't change who she is. Because she is still just her and she, you know, and, and it kind of harkens back to what Amber was saying. Um, we have such a thing in our society where we become our relationship. And, and, and it's just like, no, we are still individuals. I may have to run. My cat is on the counter and that never ends well. Lead in. <laughs> Lead in. <sighs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I hate that aspect of our culture the fact that we become yeah now you get down um our relationship rather than than we stay individuals 
Well, and, and I mean, the other thing is people. Okay, so from my experience, I in college was in a relationship with an individual who hadn't figured out their identity at the time. They were questioning their identity. And because they were not opening, not openly questioning their identity. Yeah. Um, Meaning they weren't discussing it with you. No, no, no. They were discussing it with me. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was openly discussed between us. We didn't have the language that is there now, a lot of the language that is used wasn't available to either of us because the queer community at the time for those individuals was very closed up and non-binary hadn't become a thing yet. But they were openly questioning them and I was doing my best to assure them that it didn't, I'm going to say it didn't matter because that's how I worded it to them. But at the time, I didn't have the identity of pansexual. I'd never heard of it. Um, And what amazes me is in that situation, their self-doubt, they projected it onto me. They, they, cause they weren't capable of, uh, loving who they were and knowing who they were. They assumed that I wasn't capable of knowing who, what they meant to me. Um, and it ended up, it, it destroyed our relationship. Obviously I'm not with that person. Um, however, I, I, I will say I lucked out and that I still managed to, no matter what, keep my self-confidence that my sexual orientation and I found the word pansexual I'm like that's it that's me I for me it doesn't matter what the person is it matters who they are so my attraction isn't to the same like okay for example I always see people they're like oh man I'm I'm an ass person or I'm a boob person or it's the eyes for me and I'm like it depends on the person just because this person has blue eyes doesn't mean that like I am like fanatical about blue eyes it's something about them (laughs) is that individual it is not (laughs) yes Sarah I'm fanatical about blue eyes they're scary (laughs) (laughs) um but like I was like it's never been about like I don't I'm not attracted to certain features or certain personality traits it depends on the person i i can't figure out how people like actually like look and they're like oh that's the ass i like i like that person i'm like you know nothing else about it it doesn't matter okay (laughs) you do you um but i was relieved that i managed to come out of what was ended up not being a great relationship and i still managed to hold on to my truth which is that it's about the person that, and, and I know that I was attracted to them, even if they were questioning who they were, I was attracted to them for being them, not for what they might be or what they had been and that it might change or may not, you know, may not change. None of that ever factored into my attachment in the relationship. Um, the, the problem was, is that they couldn't trust that I knew myself. And I think that's a lot of failings for a lot of people who get into like a relationship with an individual who is part of the queer community that isn't of the same orient, like same subgroup as you, that you, because you don't understand them, you won't allow yourself to trust them. Um, And it's disappointing. I I wish more people would just trust face value. I I think it's like you said, there wasn't language at the time when, when, you were going through this, I think it's going to change and, and it is progressively changing. Um, yeah. 
And, and we're always going to have people who refuse to, they, they, they draw lines and, and they refuse to allow those lines to fade away or change. And, and, but from the majority of people, though we learn to shift the, the lines and erase the lines and, and learn from people around us. And, and they do the most important thing, read books that expose you to new lines. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I had a lot of these books when I was younger. Yeah, to have that like language available helped a lot. But, yeah, and then uh, and then we have this whole push going on in the United States to ban books again. Uh, uh, I get I get so frustrated. It's just like, oh, I don't want my kid to turn this way because they've read this book. Okay, one that works. It doesn't. That doesn't happen that way. And two, even for somebody who is heteronormative who is the normal and i'm doing that in air quotes because i don't believe anybody's normal i don't think normal's a thing um but somebody who who falls within the typical lines to have the ability to see where typical falls and then you can go wait a minute so this other person is different from me but that doesn't make them wrong that doesn't make them other it just means they're not like me. Yeah. And books is the best way to do that, to teach people, to learn, to explore, and to recognize that um, that life isn't as black a and box. white, a box, and as black and white as, as some people want it to be. And, and, and it gives people who maybe are questioning but can't find those words the chance yeah. to then find themselves. Yep. So, yeah. Um, do you do you agree, Sarah? Everything we say, and are we? She's starting this here. <laughs> <laughs> I am nodding. nodding. Yeah, she she started. Yeah. She said she wished yeah, yeah. That, that these books had existed no, no, no. when she but was yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. I'm just giving you a chance to reaffirm that. Make yeah. sure that we're not putting words in your mouth when people are, you know, <laughs> listening to us. Murphy. I wish there were less books in general and no one ever read ever. <laughs> no, you just wish just I would kidding. give you less books to read. I, I'm sure people listen less to us and they all go, I wish that books. those two would let Sarah speak. Let Sarah speak. Amber and Kim, they just talk and talk and talk. Let Sarah speak. <laughs> that's that's what I, I envision people saying. Sarah when needs they're less witch books, she said. <laughs> yes, less witch books is, is not that's a bad she, thing either. Hey, no, there doesn't need to hey. be less witch books. Some people like them a lot. Yeah, this someone does. It's just not my, just not my thing particularly. Not your cup of tea. Yeah, like once every once in a while. Once in, that was a really bad way to say that. To be fair, every once they, in a while. To be fair, they were one every once in a while, but then they gathered up, and then you happen to spot them all at the same time, and now you have to read through them. <laughs> I'm trying to space them out, but I can see that there's more coming up in my pile. I can't even remember what else you have that are witchy. Well, I think the Twisted Wood or something like that is a witchy one, or fantasy wood. Oh, that's the, um, that's, uh, that's, uh, Norris. I don't know what Norris is. Chuck Norris? Norse. 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 Oh, Norse. She says Norse. So weird. She can't say it properly. I'm it's sorry. Norse. I, Norse. I thought Norse. I, I heard Norris. Just like, yeah. I was like, who? That's how she says it. It's Norse. Norse. 
I don't know why I say it that oh, way. Okay. I always thought that was a witch one. Uh, it's it's more mythology. I mean, Norse. Norse mytholo- mythology, mythology does tend does towards a little witches. bit of the witchy. I mean, if you really look at it, Loki is kind of a witch. Well, and there's... Um, kind of. I, th- I think Thor's mother is like the goddess of witches or something, if I remember correctly. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> that one's really good. That's what I would want to do for the podcast, but I wasn't sure that you guys would want to do it. So, or that you would want to do it, Sarah, I should say. I'm sure Kim would absolutely love it. But Kim barely has time to read what she reads. <laughs> so we would have to make it one of these books. So I would have to read it. That's what I was saying. Oh, I'm kind of not really listening. So I noticed. That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm I very tired. I started a new job. I am exhausted. I literally um, said I would love to do that for the podcast, okay. but I wasn't sure that Sarah would, even though Kim would love it. Put it on and the then, list. Yeah. So don't read that one yet, Sarah. It might go on Kim's uh, list. It was at the top of the pile. It was like my next one to do. Now I have to shuffle my pile. Yeah. What a I'm sorry. Burden. Oh no, not another witchy book then. Why don't you tackle oh, some I'm Pierce Brown? Sure next one is, oh. Wait, let's talk about the book. We have gone way off the rails on this. Right, right, right. Um, well, this which is, is part of the episode. reason. Which is part of the reason why I'm having a hard time focusing. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's much else to discuss. Oh, let me consult my notes. What about the? Anything. We're not. We haven't discussed the meal, the aphrodisiac meal. Yeah. <laughs> That was just weird. It it was purposefully made that way. It was Finn, weird. not Finn. Um, where did Finn come from? Who's Finn? That's uh, Finn's um, best friend. Best friend. <sighs> yeah, my brain. God. Although I'm I will tired. be, I will be honest. I didn't realize he was Korean until three fourths of the way through the book when he declares he's Korean. I was like. His oh, last name okay. is Park. I don't remember. I they always refer to him as Finn. I didn't notice his last name. He said Finn Park a couple times. I did not I pay like, attention. Oh, I wonder if he's Korean since he has names. Um, names go like this over Amberly's head. This is the same person who didn't see her own name in a book. <laughs> well, it was off by a letter. An E. It was off by an E. <laughs> and to be to be honest, Finn. I kind of just saw the Star Wars character the whole time, even though he was supposed <laughs> to be Korean. Yeah, so. Um, okay, so the meal. It was weird. Anything else to discuss about, like, the food or? God, okay, never mind. No, what did I, 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 I wasn't going to say anything. It's just a component of the book. It was It was helping. Uh, I'm, I'm, it, it, was a, it was a cute to get together. I, and and yet I think that Alexander knew all along that he was also helping uh, the main character, Darcy, figure him out. And yeah. I, so I think he yeah. knew what he was doing. I think it was, I but mean, it was never overly said. To be fair, for anyone who doesn't follow us on Patreon, that's going to be our bonus Patreon for the book club edition level this year, this month. We are actually going to try not the aphrodisiac foods because oh. ew, no. what was it? Oysters and oysters oh, yeah, it was and disgusting. asparagus and like 
And I love asparagus. We're in there, but like, yeah. Ugh. But yes, oh, we are trying. We are doing a French hot chocolate and fairy bread, and we are going to play twenty questions. And slowly uh, die so, from diabetes. I ain't slowly dying from diabetes. I'm <laughs> working on it quicker. <laughs> She's on it quickly. <laughs> working my way there. So I'm going to eat this crap that I shouldn't be touching. Um, and we're going to answer 20 questions. So that about people ourselves. pay a, a dollar. And, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. That one's 15. Oh, okay. $15 a month. Just to listen to me die of diabetes. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, make sure you follow us on Patreon. This information will be available and the bonus episode for this will include some fun questions that we will be asking each other and like giving you a chance to learn more behind the scenes than what we disclose. Although we're pretty like transparent here. Um, oh, Sarah makes pissy faces. Ow, Murphy, that hurts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's draped across my hot pad in like digging his nails into my knee because he's warm and he's loving it. What? What's that? Somebody's at the door. Oh, package Amazon. delivery, Amazon. <laughs> it's my special little thingy so that I don't have to hold my Kindle, but instead it can just like float above my face and I can just tap the screen because I can't afford the page turner yet. But if you follow us on Patreon, then I can afford the page turner. Oh, please, Amber. My God. <laughs> Come Actually, here, lay down. One of my hopes for us is uh, if we get enough support on Patreon, that I might be able to upgrade all of our equipment for recording audio. Yeah, that would be nice. So um, if you would like better audio lay equipment down. for us, follow us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've done enough. I have, I have plugged it like about six different times. Uh, is there anything else that we are going to discuss? Did you guys ever look up your attachment styles? Because I definitely took a quiz on it. I no, not. I did not. Let's see here. Attachment style quiz. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Here, I'll link it to all of us. Everyone can listen to us take an attachment style quiz. There you go, Kim. There's the link for it. I don't it takes know less than five minutes. So. Oh, where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start the quiz. Me too. Are we gonna read these out loud? Uh, I can't. Hopefully, they're in the same order. So. I can be very emotionally present with others, friends, family, partners, strangers, but it takes me a while to build trust and share vulnerable things about myself. That's, are we saying out loud what our answer is? Oh, I mean, we can. I said true. I said true. What about you, Sarah? I said true as well. Okay. Number two, I often put other people in my life on a big pedestal. Other words, uh, so partners, friend, family. I said false so did i i'm not quite Sarah? sure what they mean by big pedestal and i like, can't remember like you the like last time like you like worship them for lack of better description do you think they're perfect yeah uh, false three i feel naturally comfortable and safe expressing my feelings and needs to loved ones i false. have to say false <laughs> 
What'd you say, Kim? Um, we're all going to get the same attachment style at this rate, guys. <laughs> I'm going to say I, I need an in-between between true and false. It, it Loved ones is too odd for me, so I'm going to say false. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel very upset when others infringe on my need for space or time alone. Oh, God, it's that true. could be more true. <laughs> Sarah, is that true for you? Oh, uh, yeah, I already said true. Oh, okay. Said true while you're finishing the question. Okay, five. I'm willing to work through challenges in a relationship before suddenly trying to leave the relationship itself. If you're not in a relationship, think about how you've handled uh, conflict and partnerships in the past. That I said is true. true. What about you, Sarah? False. I knew it. Um, I, it's number six. I tend to be out of touch with my emotions quite frequently. Uh, that is false. I said false. Does that just mean that you don't know what you're feeling? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Or you ignore what you're feeling and stuff. <laughs> the look on your face. You have to really <laughs> think about this. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like, I deliberately ignore. That it's true I'm for you. Sometimes. Then, yeah. But quite yeah. frequently? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I did false before when I did this. Have you answered it yet or not yet? You're still going to be false. Okay. Um, I'm very attuned to others' needs and often put them before my own and resent it later. True. 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 (laughs) Number eight, I can't... I constantly want to be emotionally closer to my partner. This can also apply to my close friendships or romantic interests. False. False. Uh, True. Uh, Nine. I'm effective at compromising and communicating. False. I'm not sure. I'm going to say true, but yeah, there's more to that than. <laughs> I think, I think currently I am. I think in the past it would have been false for me. Okay. 10. It's very difficult for me to set boundaries unless I'm angry. I can sometimes set excessive boundaries and push people away from tr- true dramatically out of anger. Mm-hmm. I said say false. What did you say, Sarah? I said true. Okay. Whatever 11, I if, I, if I notice my partner showing any signs of coldness, I panic and want to get uh, closer as quickly as possible. This often helps me, often happens to me in friendships as well. Uh, this is true. Yeah, this is false. False. <laughs> 12, it's uncommon for me to experience. It's not it is not uncommon for me to experience inward emotional turbulence throughout the duration of my romantic relationship. This applies to close family members as well. Mm, I'm going to say true. I said false. I'm going to say true as well, although I don't really know that I have much of a response for that one. Okay, 13. I'm oft- I often feel very hot or very cold toward my partner or family members. I tend to operate in extremes in how I relate to others. False. False. 
False. 14. I know that I'm worthy of a healthy, oh happy relationship. True. Uh, okay. I don't like this, but I have to say false. What did you say, Sarah? Oh, I definitely said false. Okay. <laughs> 15 when i feel hurt by a loved one i often have a strong fight or flight response i find myself wanting to push this person as far away as possible friends family romantic relationships uh this is okay wait that doesn't make any sense what do you mean because it's fight or flight are the opposite and then this says i i find myself wanting to push this person away that would be flight i feel like fighting Uh, is also a way of pushing someone away yeah Mm -hmm. Because you're actively, like, trying to drive them away. And I will say, unfortunately, due to past traumas, this is now true. Okay. I'm going to say false, but I don't agree with that sentence in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) What did you say, Sarah? Uh, I did the one that was agreeing with the flight thing. Yeah. 16. I do not feel as though I need anything from my romantic partner or loved ones. It can be difficult to conceptualize how others would meet a lot of my needs. That false. is false, I think. You said true, Sarah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 17, I do not enjoy being out of romantic relationships. I often fear being alone. False. I'm going to have to say false because I have not been in a relationship in 10 years. <laughs> 18, if a loved one's behavior hurts me, I will express my feelings and try to understand what caused them to act that way. True. False. I have to say false. 19. I hunger for closeness, but I fear the emotional difficulty of it at the same time with friends, family, romantic partners. True. False. Sarah? I don't like the hunger. The choice of hunger. Makes it seem kind of extreme, but I'll say true anyway. Okay. 20. I do not like making social plans with others in advance. I often fear being trapped by commitments with other people. True. true. <laughs> How many questions? On? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. 21. I find that setting boundaries comes natural to me. False. True. <laughs> well kim's gonna definitely get a different attachment style than us <laughs> 22 i focus much more on the relationships in my life than i do on myself false false sarah i guess false i don't really focus on either <laughs> 23 i often feel protective oh, over true. my space privacy and belongings true, true. <laughs> 24, I generally feel invaded when my partner or loved one demands too much physical affection. False. True. Kim? I already said false. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't hear you. 25, I would prefer to spend most of my free time with my partner if I were to be in a romantic relationship. It would be hard for me to want to do things separately. True. False. It would be hard for me. What? False. 
I would prefer to spend most of my free time with my partner. He is my best friend. So yes, if I were to be in a romantic, it would be hard for me to want to do things separately. False. One is true. One is false. Well, choose which one is more true or false for you and go with that one. (sighs) I'll go with true. Whatever. That's 26. I feel that it is easy to be vulnerable with my romantic partner or loved ones. False. I went with false on that one. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) I find that my partner or loved ones usually emotionally recover from conflict before I do. False. I'm going to say true just because I don't recover for a long time. So I'm assuming. (laughs) Okay. 28. I deeply fear being abandoned by my partner or love interests. True. False. And now we have to do an email. You can put in a fake email because it'll also give you the results in a pop-up. Okay. So I'm just putting in numbers for name and last name. Okay. I am not a robot. (laughs) I'm still making up shit. Give me a minute. Okay. I'm not good at making up shit. I just wrote, this is an email at gmail.com. Okay. I got it. Okay. Who wants to go first? Well, I don't know what I'm reading here. So there are four different types. Okay. The one listed first is what you have the most. And then it goes from there. Actually, no, it's just listed in order of when they put them on there. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And spoiler alert for Amberly, <laughs> fearful avoidant is the most at 38%. I then have a tie between anxious, preoccupied, and dismissive avoidant at 25%, and only 13% feels of me feel secure. Wow. <laughs> you want to go next, Sarah, or you want me to go? Okay, so um, I'm tied. Uh, I'm 46% fearful avoidant and 46% dismissive avoidant, which based off what I read in the book, I was like, man, both of these seem like they would apply to me. And it turns out pretty much uh, 8% anxious, preoccupied and a solid 0% secure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I am, (laughs) I am 18% fearful avoidant. 9% 9% anxious, preoccupied, 27% dismissive avoidant, and 45% secure. Oh, I mean, nice. you are in a relationship of, what, 33 years? Yeah. So I think I, I, I might have secure. it down just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> secure. So let's see here. So you're assuredly secure, and then what the things you aren't secure about, you just dismissively avoid. Yep. I don't. And I'm, I'm not just avoiding, a hot mess. I'm just a hot mess. <laughs> and I'm just avoidant. Fearfully and dismissively avoidant. Yep. Okay. So, let's see. Does it include anything else? Okay. Oh, it did explain. Okay, so fearful avoidant is, do you often flip up, flip-flop between hot and cold, sometimes confused about how you feel toward your loved ones? Yeah. Yeah. Then anxious, preoccupied, do you feel afraid of your loved ones pulling away and constantly seeking more closeness in your relationships? Also, yes. Very much yes. 
Uh, do you find yourself, and then dismissive avoidant, do you find yourself feeling pressured in your relationships and will often crave, while often craving independence and freedom? Um, yeah. I don't know how I could be all three of those things, but yes. And then secure, do you find you can effectively communicate and feel vulnerable in your relationships? And at least for me, unfortunately, no. Wow. That was not very informative at all, but interesting nonetheless. <laughs> uh, okay. So did we have anything else we wanted to discuss with this book? No. Not really, no. All righty then. So next time, I believe we are reading. Oh, what are we reading? Is it Lock Every Door? Yeah, Lock Every Door, because I just got that yeah. from the library, so we better be reading it. We are. Originally, we were going to be reading the next Chloe Gong book, but due to not such warm reception on our end, that we made a switch. And then after that, we are reading Ursula Lagoon's the left hand of darkness and martin's joining us for that yes one. martin will be back for that one and on that oh we didn't do our oh, we okay, all liked ask. it we oh. all liked it five stars right everything was five stars there was nothing anyone it was i think i said i think i said four stars but i really hated his name so you know. oh i yeah, you know you know what i gave it four stars too um yeah, you both gave it four stars on Goodreads. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, I gave it fives. I gave it a five for exciting, ease of reading, emotional reaction, and a five for an overall score. I probably would have given five for all of our little subcategories, but like it was still a four for me. I'm not big on teenage romances. It's just... <laughs> well, um, some of us live vicariously through them. So, you know. Fair. <laughs> fair. fair. Um, okay, so then on that note, now that we have been chaotic throughout all of this, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. We are also now on Patreon under the same. You can also email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.